Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today, we're going to be previewing college football. We're going to have a spark notes of this whole weird time between the end of the season and what's coming up with the college football playoff on January 1st. So let's jump in. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Who is this? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Old habits die hard. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, yes, Shaka, go ahead. Tell- Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Absolutely, your real favorite history teacher. And then I'll, I'll let I'll let Mr. Ainsworth talk a little bit. Maybe, maybe you guys know how this goes. <laughs> it's your favorite history teacher, I think, Parker Ainsworth. Uh, I mean, I'm joined by Shaka Cummings. If you've only recently found the show, or you're just jumping back into the show, it might be not such, such a familiar voice. But Shaka, we did a lot of episodes together on this at the start of this show, um, and so I want to say, welcome back, man. How you been? Uh, life is good. Not too many complaints. Like I'm working on a PhD, I'm working on a new job, I'm working on, we got a whole lot of family stuff going on, plus it's the holidays, so you know, uh, and, we, and we're watching a little bit of college football in between, right? So we're trying to keep up with the sports a little bit, trying not to get an F in sports, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> watching the college football, I, I got to ask, Kentucky, I thought we were going to be a football school this year, what what, what went down there? <laughs> yeah, you, you and me both, my season tickets. <laughs> I was there when we lost to Vandy. So uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, sometimes you have to dip maybe to rise, and maybe we need to do some losing in order to rise up. We'll see how Kentucky goes. I know that we're going to talk a little bit about bowl games later. Let me just tell you, anyone who is not a graduate of the University of Kentucky or the University of Iowa who watches the Music City Bowl is like a glutton for punishment. There will be no <laughs> points scored. I don't know what the, I don't know what the over-under is. Take the under. I don't care if it's one. Take the under. They might literally soccer this thing and have to go to kicks. <laughs> I mean, a PK shootout. Offenses. A PK shootout with some field goals would be really, really funny. <laughs> Except our kicker's not great. So <laughs> we're we're not a very good team this year. But um, hopefully, again, you sink a little bit to rise up. Our quarterback will be very highly sought after. One of those teams that you root for, the uh, the Houston Texans might be interested in Will Levis come draft time. We can maybe save that for a few months down the road. I'm sure we'll be talking about that in April because Houston needs a quarterback. They all, If they had a quarterback, they might have beaten Dallas. Um, all right. So <laughs> today's episode, we're going to do some, uh, again, spark notes on college football season. I'm going to talk some in the first segment about the Heisman, talk some about bowl games, and then talk some about uh, at least one particular seat in the coaching carousel. So without further ado, 
let's jump on in and talk about the Heisman now. Statistically, I'll, I'll throw like what actually happened out there and then go to Shaka. Um, Caleb Williams of USC did win the Heisman. Now, Caleb Williams sounds familiar because he was also at Oklahoma a couple of months ago at this point. I feel like it still, it still was only months ago. Um, <laughs> Max Dugan came in second in voting. Um, and CJ Stroud came in third. Stetson Bennett, <laughs> Georgia came in fourth. I'd argue he's the fourth most important player on his own team. So that seems relevant. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't be the only one. <laughs> um, and, and a number of guys actually got votes, but did not get invited to New York. So Shaka, walk us through the Sparknotes version of this. What happened with the Heisman this year? So what I, the Heisman trophy winner, I think they picked the right guy. I think that Caleb Williams over the course of the entire season put himself to be the most outstanding player. Uh, what he was able to do leading USC back, considering where USC had been, right? It's incredible. And really, that was like a team that didn't have a great defense. It really was a lot of Caleb Williams kind of leading that charge. And USC is almost in the playoff. So I don't want to knock Caleb Williams, and I feel like we need to give him his flowers. The controversy around the Heisman really comes down to, like, who do we invite to New York? Which it feels like a weird deal. Like, if we got the winner right, who cares about the rest? When we see the voting, and so, um, you know, everyone after the Heisman eventually has to talk about the votes. And so SportingNews.com laid out the votes for the top 10 folks. And apparently the Heisman Trophy has this rule that says no more than five guys can come to New York, which means that you can have less than five, you can have right at five. And so Caleb Williams got the most points, over 2,000. Max Duggan, the TCU quarterback, incredible season, by the way, right there in Fort Worth. I know all my friends who wear purple are letting Parker know how great TCU is. <laughs> um, he, over 1,400 points in the voting, he's second. There's a clear drop-off after that. So it almost feels like if you just wanted to invite those two to New York, I think I could get it based on the voting. C.J. Stroud finished third. He had 539 votes. Like he had 900 votes, almost fewer than Max Duggan. Stetson Bennett came in fourth with 349 votes, and they cut it off there. And I think that that's where people have a problem. The person who finished number five was Hendon Hooker. And I genuinely believe that if you look back at the season, Hendon Hooker was the person we talked about winning the Heisman maybe more often than any other player, including Caleb Williams, who ended up winning it at the end. And so folks look at the Heisman and they're like, how does Hendon Hooker not make it to New York? And I would also argue like Blake Corum, who's the running back for Michigan, he was incredible most of the season as well. Both of these guys run into injuries at the end of the year. And I think that voters took into account their injuries at the end and decided not to reward the fact that they had played 10 and 11 games this year for teams that were incredible. Like Tennessee beats LSU, beats Alabama. Uh, Michigan is undefeated in the college football playoff. I don't think that any Michigan fan would argue the most important player that of the team that year is Blake Corum. So, like, we probably should have just took five folks. <laughs> like, Hendon Hooker probably should have just went to New York and you alleviate any sort of controversy. But if you're not going to take five, you probably should have just took two. <laughs> and that way, <laughs> you don't have C.J. Stroud, Stetson, Bennett really clouding this thing because the reality is, based on the voting, it was clearly going to be Caleb Williams' award to win this year. Well, and my deal is on, especially if you're going to take five or if you're going to take four and not five, I, I guess he got the votes, but when they initially announced that Stetson Bennett was going to get invited to New York to go to the Heisman, we didn't know the voting. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, I, like, I think my exact tweet was something along the lines of like, we need to just admit this as a quarterback award because 
obviously like B. John Robinson in Texas as a running back, he got the ninth most votes. And Blake Quorum in Michigan had a much better season for a much better team, and he got the seventh most votes. Um, I I know joke, I, I kind of alluded to it at the start. I would probably rate Stetson Bennett as like the fourth, maybe third most important person <laughs> on the Georgia offense. He has legitimately like Megatron, and I don't mean like Calvin Johnson. I mean like the actual like, <laughs> like actual Megatron. <laughs> Two of them out tight end, right? Like he, the, the tight ends are nuts. Like um, so uh, uh there's the Belitnikov winner. Any, how do you get a tight end to come to Georgia from like wine country? I have no idea. But Brock Bowers is literally from Napa. Uh, but the other tight end is like a freak. He's like six seven. He's like two seventy, and he's probably like four percent body fat. When I, I went to the game this year, I saw him, and I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what is that? Not who is that? What, what? is that? <laughs> Yeah, and they put shoulder pads on it, and it's going to play against Kentucky. I have no idea what we're going to do. Like, legit looks like a transformer. And I I guess my thought there is, like, if we're just give like, is George the best team in college football? Probably. We'll see when it plays out in college football playoffs. Yeah, playoff. we'll see, but probably. Um, And so I guess, like, someone from Georgia needs to represent them, and I get that a tight end is not a super flashy position, although the visual of that dude in a suit might be. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, no sleeves. He just <laughs> – just no <laughs> sleeves. Like, just going up there, guns out. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't get how Stetson Bennett got that many votes. And I get now that I see – I guess I might have also cut the line off at five. I see that he had the fourth most votes and the pretty big drop off between Hinton Hooker and Bryce Young at six. Um, and so I, I guess that maybe that's the deal there. I just, I look at this and I'm thinking how that name just votes aside, that name sticks out to me. as like, what is he doing up there? Frankly, when you think of Georgia, you don't think of offense, right? You think of their defense first. And so if someone says Jalen Carter's going to New York, you're like, okay, well, I kind of get it. You don't think he's going to win. But he's probably the best player on Georgia's team. And when the NFL draft rolls around, we know that Georgia's going to have maybe six, seven defenders who are drafted before Stetson Bennett, if Stetson Bennett gets drafted, right? So right. we think about Georgia, we think defense, and all of a sudden the quarterback's going. And listen, you can give a quarterback a career award. I think once upon a time, we actually had a discussion about Trevor Lawrence maybe winning the Heisman the year that Devontae Smith won it. Considering mm-hmm. all the things that Trevor Lawrence had done throughout his career, uh, at, at Peyton Manning once upon a time back when I was a senior in high mm-hmm. school, I think that that was a part of the conversation. I think that you can do that. I don't think you picked the right year to do that, right? Yeah. Like if you're going to pick a year, it needs to be a year where this not kind of a clear standout the way that Caleb Williams stood out, or at least like a clear someone who comes from out of nowhere the way that Hendon Hooker did, right? Because you, Stetson Bennett, was fourth in Heisman voting. Stetson Bennett didn't make an all-SEC team. Hendon Hooker was the first-team quarterback. Bryce Young was the second. So think about that. He wasn't one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, according to the SEC, but apparently he was the fourth-best <laughs> player in college football. Who knows? <laughs> of any position. Of any position. Um, of any position. <laughs> just, just weird, weird stuff. If you're going to transition, obviously, um, Caleb Williams be left out of the college football playoff. Max Duggan, CJ Stroud, Stetson Bennett, uh, Blake Quorum will not. Um, and so if well, Blake we Quorum will, Blake Quorum's still hurt. He will be. <laughs> his team will not. He will, he will he be on be the sideline, I guess I should say. He'll be um <laughs> he won't be in uniform, won't be in shoulder pads. Um let's talk a little bit about bowl games. Um, first, can I ask what bowl games outside of let's say outside of New Year's Day 
are there anything sticking out to you as like particularly interesting games? You mentioned you wouldn't watch Iowa, Kentucky. I oh, think no, there's no, no. a, <laughs> I think there's a blooper reel to be made out of that game, but that's not what you want to do. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> well, you absolutely. That's the thing, right? You could watch the Iowa, Kentucky game, and you could do a lot of laughing, but like you'd be laughing at my alma mater, and I wouldn't appreciate it. So no, <laughs> no, no, we will not be doing that. Um, so there, there are some interesting. Uh, uh, matchups, like when you consider, you know, you get the crossing over of conferences, and obviously I'm an SEC guy. You know, I look at the Citrus Bowl, and I think that that's kind of interesting. Although, if you were to ask me to just kind of look across the spectrum and try to pick out a game that, like, sneaky might be interesting, December 16th is one of the earliest bowl games. The Cure Bowl in Orlando, it's actually going to be played in the same stadium as the Citrus Bowl. Troy is playing UTSA. Let me just tell you that, like, those are two very good teams if you don't watch them. I, I, UTSA's offensive coordinator, I believe he's actually a, a Kentucky high school alum. And I believe that That's he's the on the connection. move. Okay. Well, he's, <laughs> I think he's on the move. I can't remember if it's to, like, Nebraska or to Arizona State or somewhere. Uh, Troy's head coach was once upon a time the linebacker coach at the University of Kentucky. So I feel like I know these teams because I've been watching them from the periphery. But UTSA has been good for the last several years. Troy has really bounced back. They are conference champions. Uh, they're a group of five conferences, so a lot of folks maybe don't watch them. But I think that that's going to be a game. Like if we start talking about kind of a fun game, you know everyone's going to be playing. The coaches aren't being fired or getting new jobs or anything. Everyone's, everyone's there. So it's going to be a really competitive game of two conference champions, and it's fairly early on. So, like, I would – Take time on December 16th, watch Troy versus UTSA. It'll be fun offenses. It'll be quality defense. They will play good, sound football. That's the game that stands out for me outside of kind of the New Year's six. I mean, so, Parker, let me bounce it back to you. It's like I'm the host once again. <laughs> I, I see I, I see SMUs in this thing. I see Houston's in this thing. So I know that you have some teams that you might have a little bit of love for. And I think that there's a team out in Austin that might have made a bowl game too. Is there, is, is there one that maybe stands out? Is there one that maybe stands out for you? Um, obviously, I'll be watching Houston playing Louisiana in uh, – it's not called the Bayou Bowl, but it's in Louisiana. It's on December 23rd, the Independence Bowl. Um, I, I'll watch that one. I don't know if as a like a neutral observer that's actually one of the ones I'm most interested in, but it's one I will be like tweeting about a lot, so I think that's a fair shot. Um, I weirdly, as a Big 12 – you say you're an SEC person, as a Big 12 person – Kind of want to see what UCF looks like against Duke. Uh, UCF is headed yeah, to the 12 next yeah. season. I think that's an interesting matchup in like Duke is to me a good measuring stick as far as like they're a power five team, but not like a very good, like where are you kind of in, in lockstep with them? Whereas like my Houston yeah. Cougars are not playing a power five team. <laughs> so it's not quite <laughs> the same kind of thing. Um, the other one I was going to pull up, you mentioned UTSA already, so I won't talk too much about them. Although I'd say they, they are very good. Um, it's a good team. It's a good offense, fun offense to watch. There's going to be some bad blood in the Birmingham Bowl. It's Coastal Carolina and East Carolina. And <laughs> <laughs> just, I feel like the spread is actually kind of crazy favored towards East Carolina. I don't know how competitive that game will be, um, but I feel like there'll be bl bad blood there. We, obviously, uh, the New Year's Day games, I think, carry a little bit more weight. Um, I So in the Orange Bowl, Tennessee is playing Clemson, and I don't think they picked them because they both wear orange. I would also say... <laughs> I'd watch Clemson to see how the quarterback play goes at Klubnik um, after their debacle <laughs> the, of the season. How will the quarterback play go at Tennessee? I mean, listen, so 
Hendon Hooker, what folks forget is that last year he didn't win the job right away. <laughs> it was actually Joe Milton won the job. So now his Joe Milton, who won the job originally, now has a job again. And uh, everything that I've ever heard about uh, Joe Milton is that he looks great in practice. Like in practice, you understand why he wins every job. He won the job at Michigan once upon a time. He won the job at Tennessee. Like I do wonder how he's going to play against, you know, Clemson is this uh, inconsistent type of team, but the defense hasn't really been inconsistent and the defense has dudes, right? So yeah. like normally the SEC, you go into these bowl games, you're like, well, it's SEC talent versus everyone else. No, no, no. Clemson's got good guys. Like that's not going to be a problem. So that'll be an interesting matchup for sure. Well, and frankly, um, People have a bunch of opinions on the quarterback play at Clemson. We got Galele, Klubnik, et cetera. Is Dabo not long for this world anymore? Whatever. I do think it's interesting <laughs> to think that, like, Clemson, as far since they kind of got to that mountaintop, has always been competitive with SEC teams, right? Like, when they were really had it rolling, the, it wasn't just Lawrence and Watson. It really what they had a, a whole roster that was competitive with the SEC teams. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then, they, they could always recruit with that region right and that was the biggest thing is like when you play against these sec teams um i mean the biggest thing is overall talent but very specific to sec teams you have to have talent at the line of scrimmage and that's what clemson was always able to do so like you get the sec teams playing in some of these bowl games and even kentucky last year had two guys who were drafted in the nfl on the offensive line um, it had another guy who was on a practice squad. So when Kentucky rolls into your building, you had to play against three NFL offensive linemen. It's like, okay, I don't know how Louisville couldn't deal with it. That's why we beat them by 104, <laughs> right? Clemson is different. Clemson has that talent at the line of scrimmage, especially their defensive line. Brian Brzee, who um, he it's an incredible story. Like the uh, his sister unfortunately passed away from cancer, and like um, he's really done a lot of advocacy around cancer and supporting folks who are suffering, like. He's probably a top 10 draft pick. Like, he's not yeah. going to go to one of the teams maybe you root for, but I root for the New York Jets, the New York Giants. Maybe the quarterbacks are gone, and then maybe all of a sudden we get a little Brian Brzee action. That ain't such a bad deal for us. <laughs> you mentioned several times SEC talent. You do not – just go ahead and mute me on the day that Kansas State beats Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Like, don't – you don't – going to go and tell you that. You don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. <laughs> well, so here's here's what I would say right, is that if Kansas State is able to be competitive in that game, it's their style of play. They actually, they play from the inside out. They want to run the ball. They're very good at it. They're very creative at it, too. If you watch them, they do a lot of different things that not a, a lot of other schools do at the FBS level uh, in terms of how they pull guys and some of the misdirection. Deuce Vaughn, who's their running back, is probably every bit of, like, five six and, like, He's under 200 pounds, but he's like he's built like a fire hydrant. You know what I mean? So they'll they'll do a lot of creative things. And so if they're in that game, it's because they can control tempo. And Alabama offensively has actually been kind of inconsistent. Bryce Young really hasn't had the wide receivers to get the ball out to. Um, he's having to basically Patrick Mahomes a season. Now, all that being said, they've only lost two games, and it was to LSU on the last play in overtime and to Tennessee on the last play in regulation. So, like, Alabama is essentially, what, 45 seconds away from being an undefeated team and probably in this playoff. So it's a very, very good well, squad. Kansas State's going to have a tough time. And Alabama got ranked fifth in the college football playoff, meaning that they were – knocking on the door and getting in with those two losses <laughs> i had to say fans were upset like tennessee fans were like we beat them why are we six it's like it's bam i don't know what to tell you like <laughs> well and if they'd gotten in on their best win being ut austin with a backup quarterback the majority of the game again my twitter account would have been something you probably <laughs> want to mute um 
uh, we have to mention the college football playoff. We'll have plenty of time on the show between now and then to preview the games. But you have TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. Winners play each other for the whole thing. Do you have any thoughts on the final four here? Oh, for sure. So it's interesting to me, the, the teams that are ending up playing each other. Because if I said to you, throw Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU into a bucket and kind of shake them up and seed them, I think that most folks would say TCU is probably the four seed in this situation. Well, because of the way that the season played out, TCU ended up being a three seed, which means that TCU plays Michigan. And so just going back to a point that I made earlier around talent, like uh, if you go to On3's website and you start looking at their uh, consensus recruiting rankings, right? And you start looking at top five rankings from 2022 on back, right? Because those are the guys who are playing in this right, game, right? Right. Georgia and Ohio State show up in the top five in 2022. Georgia and Ohio State show up in the top five in 2021. Georgia and Ohio State are showing up in the top five in 2020. The guys who are playing on the field are some of the best players in the country. Those teams are playing each other in the first round. And so there's a lot of talent that's going to be on the field in those games. A lot of guys are going to get drafted in the NFL who will be playing in that first playoff game between Georgia and Ohio State. And it's almost as if Michigan and TCU really kind of end up drawing each other. And that's really what's best for both of them, because it almost feels like from a talent standpoint, you would think that Georgia and Ohio State would have an advantage. Now, Michigan played Ohio State at Ohio State and basically destroyed them in the fourth quarter. Right. And have destroyed them the last couple of years. So I, I don't think Michigan is standing in awe of Ohio State's talent. Uh, that being said, when you start just looking at folks starting to wear down injuries, you get to the end of the year like that. That talent matters, because when Georgia loses a guy, the next guy is coming in is a five star as well. Right. When Ohio yeah. State drops someone and another five star is coming in, the. Uh, the interesting thing about Ohio State is that the defense has been kind of inconsistent. They haven't really been as physical as they have been in previous years. We were talking about that line of scrimmage ability to dominate. That's what Ohio State, it felt like, had been missing against Michigan the last two years. So it'll be interesting to see what they could do against Georgia, who that's not a problem. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia's plenty of talent in the yeah. trenches. It'll also be interesting to see what happens with Michigan and TCU. TCU is a team that goes down, but they're never out. They come back. They, that's not a problem for them. I could see Michigan imposing their will early. Maybe the thing is 17-3 midway through the second quarter. Maybe it's 21-7 at halftime. TCU is still not out of that game, right? Um, right? Now, Michigan, from a talent composite standpoint, actually has a significant amount of talent as compared to TCU. TCU has apparently the second best player in the country, Max Duggan. So, like, they, they have a guy who knows how to come back. He will fight. Like, we saw that uh, Big 12 championship game. He never stopped. He injured, didn't matter. He kept leading his team back. I actually thought that they made the play to win the game and the refs actually didn't call it correctly. That's one person's <laughs> opinion. Um, so, so like, uh, it's, it's, it'll be interesting just to see how these things shake out because, from again, from talent perspective, I think that you might see these teams differently. But – Georgia has to play Ohio State in the first round. And I do think that if you ask Kirby Smart in a moment of honesty, which of the teams would he rather, which of these teams would he least rather play? He'd probably say Ohio State least, right? He probably would take Michigan, who wants to do what Georgia does, but is less talented in doing it, or TCU, who just doesn't stack up, especially at the line of scrimmage. Like, I think he would take those teams yeah. first. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. No, I think it's interesting too, because if you're Sonny Dykes at TCU, in your first year at TCU, I might add, um, you can 
A, beat a similarly talented Michigan team, like you said. Now they've played very well this year, so I don't mean I don't want to like dismiss yeah, what absolutely. they've done this year. But there's as far as the as far as like average talent level goes, you mentioned recruiting rankings and like even looking projecting future pros and those kinds of things. They're really not horribly different. And then you get a one game against either Ohio State or Georgia. We've seen college football; anything can happen in one game, right? Like, like you only hey, have to absolutely. do this. Only have to do that one time. And so, I think that they definitely feel like if you're TCU or Michigan, that you got the easier, the better draw for yourselves here. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Meanwhile, um, you mentioned the line of scrimmage. Like, do Ohio State and Georgia kind of beat each other up? Um, does something does, does, does one of those big Georgia defensive front seven guys hit CJ Stroud just wrong, right? Like, like those kind of like you're giving yourselves more, uh, more time for that to happen. If you're TCU in Michigan, um, I will say that uh, it, as much as I'd like to say TCU in the big 12 do well here, state of Texas does well, if that happens, um, the setup here for Michigan Ohio state in the final would just be unreal. Drama. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be unreal. If Michigan played Ohio state for a national championship, like I grew up, as a kid in New York, actually loving Desmond Howard, loving the Fab Five as well, rooting very, <laughs> very heavily for Michigan. Uh, that being said, I also have eyes and a brain. And if, if Ohio, <laughs> if Ohio State can beat Georgia, I'll be. If anyone can beat Georgia, like I'll be. Listen, there are teams in Ohio that can beat Georgia. They're the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. That's that's <laughs> to beat Georgia. But just, I, and, and this, this is not meant to disrespect Ohio State. I think that Ohio State has an incredible amount of talent on the with, with Stroud, with their receivers. Um, I just think that Georgia, again, in the trenches, can do things that Michigan was able to do to Ohio State, and I think that they can maybe impose their will a little bit earlier than Michigan was able to. And so you're going to be in a little bit of trouble there. I think that Ohio State, one of the areas where Ohio State actually, we'll see how it plays out. They have linebackers that can run with the Georgia tight ends. And so that'll be interesting just to see how are they going to utilize the back end of their defense. Like how do we take our safeties and linebackers and make sure that we can take care of the tight ends? The, the, the trouble you get into is that Ladd McConkey is Georgia's number one receiver. He's a slot guy. Slot guys are difficult to cover anyway. I don't know that Ohio State can take everything away. So what are you willing to give up? Um, and if you're willing to give up Ladd McConkey, Lab McConkey's beaten teams this year for Georgia. Like he's he's gone over 100 yards, had a couple of touchdowns in game. Like so, I just think that really where Ohio State's gonna Ohio State needs this thing to be a shootout, and Georgia ain't shooting out with nobody. <laughs> if this thing starts getting crazy, Georgia's just gonna hand the ball off and they're gonna start trying to really grind the game. And I think that they can do that more effectively than any other team that Ohio State's played this year, including Michigan. And Michigan beat Ohio State, so. Shaka, you put on your coaching hat there for a second. And while I guess you mentioned at the top of the show, you have a new job and maybe it's not such a familiar hat. I don't know if you've heard about some coaching moves that happened in this offseason. They, they went relative. I mean, I guess some people have talked about them a little bit. Hey, um, listen, listen, listen. I, if we if we weren't going to leave this off by talking about Arizona State, I was going to lose my mind. Like this, the biggest coaching. <laughs> I, we, we might be talking. We might be talking about another Pac-12 job, right? Another Pac-12 job. So I don't know if you've heard of this guy named Deion Sanders, but he's got a new job in uh, Colorado Boulder Pac-12 program. 
uh, Dion notably leaves Jackson State on his way out there. Um, there's been a lot of talk around this nationally. Um, I've gotten my thoughts as both a coach and an observer and someone that can like count dollars and cents. I'd be interested to hear what your take on it is, though. No, absolutely. So I, I love Dion, right? And I it's hard because we we grew up in an era where we saw Dion play. Like, I don't know if you had the Dion. Did you have the cross trainers? Do you remember the Nike cross trainers? Um, the, uh, Falcons. They were in the Falcons colors first when he went to uh, San Francisco. So then they added some gold to it. They were dope I had red and black. Though. I was going to say I didn't have the Niners. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we grew up and like, so there's a certain level of reverence with Dion Sanders. I still believe that he's the best corner to ever play. And we can talk about his tackling all you want that being said you didn't throw the ball to his half of the field so um <laughs> now now what we understand because we are both coaches right now not at that level we coach high school ball we coached it together so we know that when Dion says things like coaches are either elevated or terminated like that's really is a part of the reality for a lot of coaches and I'm not going to like dismiss anyone who wants to bring up what Dion was doing for HBCUs and the amount of hope that he brought to Jackson State and to other HBCU programs in terms of the things that he was able to do, bringing money in, building facilities, getting ESPN to do game day in Jackson State, bringing in Walmart money to redo facilities. And you start to look at some of the other hires, like Eddie George is at Tennessee State. Um, Hugh Jackson's at Grambling. Would those folks have considered those jobs had Dion not taken Jackson State? Maybe Dion opens up the door. Um, that being said, right? Because I, I I hear that Jackson State paid Dion Sanders one point two million dollars over the course of four years to be their head football coach. That is not one point two million dollars annually. That is in total. He's paid an annual salary of three hundred thousand dollars. Colorado is paying Deion Sanders five years, $29.5 million, annual salary of $5.9 million before any bonuses, any bonuses hit. Like, there's some real pieces around coaching that just make sense. You're at the FCS level. You get an FBS job that really, and we can argue whether or not Dion needs the money. Maybe he's someone who didn't necessarily have to take this money because he's still getting paid on Geico commercials, frankly. But it's hard to see a higher level, a, a significant pay raise, increased amount of money to really build the program as well, because Colorado has struggled. Like Colorado's lucky to have won a game this year. I think it went one and 11 and Cal, that's you. <laughs> I don't know how you <laughs> lost to that. Like, so uh, we, when you look at all of those pieces, right. And that's not even like, I don't, and we probably should consider this, Dion has his two sons playing for him, right? Yeah. He has Shiloh and Sador, and they are prospects. They're probably going to be coming with him to Colorado, and all of a sudden, if they look really good in the Pac-12, maybe that even improves their chances of playing professionally, right? Like, when you start throwing in everything into the pot, what I would say is Dion, in taking this job, opened up the door to say that the HBCU route for a coach does not have to inhibit you in terms of what you can do with the growth of your career. You can go from an HBCU program and you can get a Pac-12 job because Dion's done it. I'm not saying everyone's Dion. I'm not saying that right. everyone's going to get that opportunity. But if he opens the door for a coach who wouldn't consider the HBCU before to go in there, really leave the program better than you found it over the course of three years and then elevate to a job at the FBS level. 
Like that's the dream. And he really has proven that that's a possible route for HBCU coaches. So I think that when we start weighing it all, like I don't want to ignore these positives. I can respect the negatives. And I, I didn't attend an HBCU. Maybe, you know, my brother did. My brother went to Howard. So I have a little bit of a connection. But maybe the coaching hat and the coaching experience just weighs so much more for me. Um, Dion's a polarizing personality. We get all that. Um, I mean, listen, we know that there's race that plays into this as well. Like where, where does that play in? I don't, I don't know. Right. Uh, but I'm a black man in America. I know that race plays, <laughs> plays in a lot of conversations that we have. So I don't, I, 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 I look at Dion and I'm like, I get it. And I, I also get the other side. I, I completely get it. I frankly, um, he's moved up his coaching ladder since he was coaching his sons in peewee football in the greater Dallas area. And he first started Prime Academy that didn't quite work out. He then <laughs> went to uh, Trinity Christian, uh, or was it? What was it? it was T, it was it Trinity Christian? It was, and, yeah, it was Trinity Christian, right? Um, it, was, it was in Addison, right? It was like close to Green Hill, wasn't it? Am I making it, that up? It was fairly close. Anyway, but he he worked his way up the high school ranks, built a pretty strong program, um, and eventually gets this job at Jackson State. And frankly, there was a lot of talk at the time, like, oh, this is going to be a distract. Like, I remember when he got hired, there was like this, like, oh, this is going to be showboating and a distraction. That's not really like what we do here. Like, and I was like, but it's also Dion. <laughs> like, I, I, and so, of he, course, he goes by Coach Prime. You know what you're hiring. <laughs> so then three years later, he's leaving for a lot of cash. He's elevating. It sounds like uh, based on one thing I read on The Athletic that he's going to bring some of the guys he's had with him since they coached like pop Warner level football together. That seems like elevating the guys around him to me. Like, like I think he's doing those kinds of things. Who knows what kids, I mean, I'm sure he's bringing his sons and then the name escaped me to the corner. That was a top rated corner in the country last year. That went oh, to uh, Travis Hunter, Travis Hunter, the number yeah. one recruit in the country went to Jackson state. He actually flipped him from Florida state, which is nuts because Dion went to Florida and to state. Florida state. He hasn't entered the portal yet, but I would imagine we see that kid going to Colorado soon. <laughs> um, that, so anyway, I think that those kind of things are all natural. And then laying it out as assuming he has success at Colorado, right? That, oh, if you are a one in whatever team in a power five conference, you can go look at these, you know, FCS schools, HBCUs included as places to realistically find a guy that knows ball well enough to come fix your program, right? Um, do I think, if I'm being blunt, do I think Colorado is his last stop? No. <laughs> like, I, I could see us having an episode of Evan Sports three years from now. We're talking about him going to Florida State or what, right? Like, like just something. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Something different. Um, but it, he's making however much you mentioned he made he's making he made 1.2 million dollars the course of or was going to make 1.2 million dollars the course of contract at jackson state he also voluntarily started donating half of it to build the facilities up right and like at a at colorado he doesn't have to do that but b that's he gave back to that program he did that <laughs> like like he's allowed to go do more things he left it better than he found it. I will say, though, is a weird quote from the Colorado AD where he's like, I'm not sure that I have all the money to pay Dion. I don't know. Maybe Dion will have to donate a little bit of money <laughs> back to Colorado. But can you believe that? Like, the last thing I want to hear when I sign up for a job is, yeah, we are going to pay you this salary, but we don't have all the money just yet. But I'm sure we can get it. It's like, oh, I'm sure you can get me when you have all the money. Like, make sure <laughs> you spell my name right on that check, right? I want, I want the appropriate amount yeah. of zeros. I wouldn't wait to cash those if I were Dion, but I will say I thought that was probably honest, right? That was like this one, like 
we know booster money is coming in. It's not here yet, but we know booster money is coming in. Um, anyway, I, I don't know if I could fault him on that. We we alluded to Dion in the transfer portal a little bit. Closing thought here is that the first like 24 hours of the transfer portal, it went nuts. There were across <laughs> divisions, over a thousand players had put their name in. Um, and that is like unreal giant swinging gate into the transfer portal. Um do you have any kind of overarching thoughts before this kind of all shakes out? It's not quite shaken out yet, so I don't want to go too far. Yeah, no, the, so over the last few years, like the numbers in the transfer portal have continued to increase. I think it was around 600 folks the first year that entered the transfer portal. Then it was 800 last year. Now it's over 1,000, which means that not everyone is going to land at a spot. Like there are folks who enter this transfer portal thing and they're never going to come out. Like they've entered the void, but they will not leave the void, unfortunately. Um, and <laughs> so so dark. It, well, I mean, it, it's called the transfer portal. Lord, the Lord only knows what happens in there. Like You go in wearing one uniform, you come out wearing another and maybe you don't come out at all um so the the interesting thing with the transfer portal to me and we've had this conversation on fn sports plenty we want student agency we coaches can leave when they want students should have the ability to be able to do the things that every other college student can do right um i do like a little more structure i like that there's finite or fixed, I should say, periods in which folks can enter the transfer portal. So that way that corner isn't like, I don't know if you remember that last year, I think it was a player from Ohio State who's like, I'm entering the transfer portal. He was literally texting at halftime of a game. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. he's just done. It's like, we probably shouldn't have that, right? <laughs> so these, these, these fixed periods of time probably make a lot of sense. Um, and I don't know, there's, there's a part of me that understands the argument of coaches and roster building to a certain extent. Like I don't feel bad for coaches necessarily in this case. Um, I do wonder if there's some sort of a, when a coach leaves, it's one person leaving a program, but we know what that impact can be. When players leave, you could potentially have 10 guys who transfer out of the program. And all of a sudden you have 85 scholarships. Like it feels like, is there, is there something that can be done in some way, shape or form to maybe manage those numbers even beyond kind of that 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 finite period. I don't I don't know. I don't really have an answer. What I will say is that as someone who's on the outside looking in, the transfer portal is exciting. Player agency, I'm always going to be for, right? NIL, they should be – let players make money. Let them go to whatever school makes the most sense. If the schools are paying the kids, like this is America. This is – we like capitalism, we like capitalism <laughs> until capitalism negatively impacts us, right? So, like, just, let's just understand that this is – such as the nature of sport. Um, but yeah, the transfer portal is crazy. Now, listen, I refer a team in the University of Kentucky that got our quarterback from the transfer portal. We're very likely going to get our next quarterback from the transfer portal. And the reality is, is that for some, not every program can be Georgia or Alabama where you get the best kids out of high school. There are programs that need this thing, all right? Who's your quarterback this year at the University of Texas? Who's your quarterback <laughs> uh at SMU? Right. Yeah. Well, SMU and then Houston's looking to add one next season. So all the football teams I ever root for ever have all used or should be using. Um, I think what's interesting on this to me is that I am I'm in favor of it in a lot of ways. You mentioned player agency and Houston bluntly is going to be hitting it up almost certainly. Um, they don't have a major, you know, five star type of kid coming in next season, like moving to the Big 12 next season, et cetera. I think what's interesting is you're seeing a lot of people going like changing like almost class of football right you're going from like i just have the on three thing pulled out. you're going from like wake forest to Tulane, right or you have going from like kent state to penn state right yeah, like yeah yeah 
And the interesting thing there is, is that like, it's not, it's kind of just recruiting all over again a couple years later when the kid has a little bit more development because it's not like, I mean, I don't know, actually know if Kent State and Penn State are one of the schedules next year, but competitively, it, like if the kid was that good at Kent State that he can be playing at Penn State, like I, I don't feel bad that they're losing that kid. He should go play the best level football he can. And then the inverse, obviously, if a kid's going to get stuck on the bench at Wake Forest, he should go play at Tulane where he can actually play. I Seeing stuff online, the thing that I think is, potentially and i want to hear what you think about this where like f c s or like low-end uh group of five programs across college football are almost using as a recruiting pitch like hey you got no stars come here play two years get your and then into the port then you can go to like like then you can go to if you're playing at you know utsa then you can go to ut austin although actually don't know if that'd be the transfer directly but (laughs) come play at utep for you know two a year or two get your stats up get your film out there then go play i don't know how i feel about like it turning into a minor league for an already kind of minor league feeling system (laughs) i I don't know um you're a kentucky guy like yeah, no, it's interesting, too, because we've actually had a system like that forever. Junior colleges have been that. Junior right. co- and post, actually, postgraduate programs as well, um, which we tend not to think about postgraduate programs, I think, because most folks don't have that experience, because you tend to have to pay a lot of money to go to those schools to play that extra year high school ball. But um, yeah. we've had a system that's existed like this for a long time, where it's like, hey, come here put in the work in terms of getting your grades together, put getting your stats up, and then the big schools will come see you because now you'll have tape playing against, you know, like players. And really what this has done is it's extended that. Now, it's one thing when a junior college recruits you that way. It's even one thing when, like, Division three or NAIA or Division two, they recruit you that way. Like, if I was a fan, <laughs> if I'm a fan of, of Eastern Kentucky University, they're like, hey, come here for a year, get your stats up, and then you can go to Louisville. I'd be so angry as an EKU alum. Like, no, we should really be trying to build this program to be the best that it can be, right? And so I understand coaches need to do whatever they can to get the best talent on campus because it's elevator terminate, and they, yeah. they would rather elevate than terminated. So I understand that they may have to do some of that. It's it's It would be interesting. Like, I don't know if I'm a recruit, and we were lucky enough to both play high school football, play it fairly successfully, be recruited. When, when we were being recruited, I don't know if that would have been a big sales pitch for me necessarily. Hey, come here, play for a couple of years, and then maybe you can go somewhere else. I also, though, was a guy who ended up playing at a little bit of a lower level school because the bigger schools wouldn't let me play the position that I wanted. So I'm saying that it's easy to say that as a 42-year-old. Maybe I'd have felt different as an 18-year-old. I don't know. Well, and as the 18, when I was 18 thinking about it, like I admittedly, like if the sales pitch had been like, oh, come to this school, it's a little bit higher division, and then you can play on your way, like, I I knew from a fairly early age, and probably because my dad told me very bluntly, I'm not playing pro football. <laughs> like like that was not gonna like playing in college was great, and I don't mean to say I regret that, but I so like that wasn't once I was looking at colleges, I I went to lower division for the education and that kind of stuff, right? Um, I I just wonder if it's different when you don't necessarily have your dad telling you that at 12. Um, I <laughs> no, I mean listen, I was running a four five nine out of high school and I was benching around 300 and some pounds. There wasn't nobody who was going to tell me that I wasn't going pro. 
<laughs> like I thought that I was, right? Like I was going to play running back. And and listen, this is back when they had the eye. I was going to play fullback. Listen, slam it to that middle linebacker. Y'all going to pay me a million dollars a year to do that? I will shorten my neck, sir. Let me just tell you. That would not be a problem. But, um, you know, I do wonder, like you're saying, like there's some folks who have uh, uh, very realistic goals about where they want to be. And I don't know, maybe there is some sort of snake oil salesman component to it that I hadn't really considered until you mentioned it. And I would I would hate for that to be the case as well. I actually think that a little bit of that happens in the transfer portal, where some folks think that the grass is greener. Um, they're going to jump in and all of a sudden Alabama's going to want them. And it's like, yeah, Alabama State might want you. Like, you know what I mean? So like everyone jumps in thinking the grass is greener. If you don't know where you're going to land, you got to really consider <laughs> whether or not jumping in the portal is the right thing. Like if I go into that portal, Right. Legit. I want to know I'm coming out. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to know I'm going in and be like, eh, what's what do you get when you mix an elephant with a rhino? Elephino. Elephino if I'm coming out of anything. I don't want to be that guy. Um, I also hearing someone complain about this, um, it was much more of a conversation, but in complaining about like the transition and never knowing who's gonna even gonna be on your roster and all the turnover. My initial fix, Shaka, was you mentioned NIL deals and player agency is if I'm offering a six-figure NIL deal, offer it in a two-year contract, right? Like, 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 like you know, like <laughs> capitalism, money speaks, right? Um, I, do you think that'll ever get to that kind of a point or is that that's to, would a player not sign it? Is that the deal? Well, you, you can sign it, but there's always going to be an out. There's always going to be a buyout. And listen, if you sign a two-year deal at SMU, what do you think Texas is going to offer you if they think you're good enough, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, that's just like coaching, right? Like you get a buyout in your coaching contract. You get offered a certain amount of money. All of a sudden, you are very happy to be the head coach of Sacramento State, and you do great, and you win, and then Stanford comes. And when Stanford comes, well, Sacramento's nice, but Palo Alto's a little bit better. The money's <laughs> a little bit greener. There's a little bit more of it, right? And so there, it, it's, it, it, I would imagine that as with any contract, there's a way to get out of said contract. It's only going to cost you money. And if someone really values your potential in terms of name, image, and likeness, they're going to be more than willing to pay it. Now, where you're going to run into the the kind of epitome of this particular scenario is like if you're at Alabama, right? Like uh, DJ Uyangalale had a, uh, a Dr. Pepper NIL yeah. deal. Yeah, it's hard to top that one. Um, he's he probably going to stay at Clemson for a little bit, although he's entered the transfer portal because Kay Clubman is going to beat him out. But Kay Clubman will probably be in that Dr. Pepper commercial next year. Like, that's right, how that works. Right. Right? Bryce Young was very funny in his Dr. Pepper spots, actually. <laughs> right? He's at Alabama. So there'll be, I think there'll be some of that, but that's going to be the exception, not the rule. I think that most deals are very local. Um, you know, the former Nebraska linebacker or former Nebraska wide receiver, he entered the transfer portal, named uh, Dakotas Crawford. And of course, yeah, he had coldest, a local air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, that made a lot of sense, didn't it? Right, like uh, <laughs> you know, I would, I would almost want to come up with like a crazy nickname just for that. Like, so what right. is it? You know what? I they call me Bentley. Let's see if I can get that at <laughs> <NIL deal. Bentley. laughs> As a junior in high school, so going by Bentley, just see what happens. Listen, Cadillac Williams would have got a great NIL deal in Auburn, Alabama, considering <laughs> everything he was doing. He'd yeah. been driving three Escalades, like, maybe at the same time. Who knows? That's the you real trick is uh, B. John Robinson. His name didn't rhyme, it rhyme, rhyme with Dijon Mustard, not with Cadillac. That's the <laughs> – It's good mustard, though. Have you got it? Like, it's actually good. Go it's good. No, it's good. Up it's not bad. <laughs> it's good. Um, Shaka, thanks for stopping by today. We need to get you on more often. I know you got a lot of busy stuff going on in life. Tell people where can they find you, 
again, all the work you're doing in Kentucky and education and your own PhD work and all the things. <laughs> hey, listen, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm still at Shaka Cummings, at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. You can follow me. You'll get a lot of stuff. It'll still be mostly sports stuff because like that's what my passions are. And that is my personal Twitter. Um, so follow me there, but you'll get a little bit of education stuff too. Uh, we are like real teachers, like for real teachers. So like you will get a little bit of that stuff <laughs> as well. Uh, and it was awesome to come back on. Like I had to find all of my microphones and stuff and my computers giving <laughs> us a little bit of trouble in the beginning. I was like, how do you do this? I felt like I was a 70 year old trying to figure out this technology. Well, don't put it too far away. Don't put it too far away. We can have more talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on shaka uh remember when it comes to sports don't funk with us hey i still got it i still got it You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.